How does your heart feel? This is a rhetorical question for you to think about. How does your heart feel when it's offering time? Is it, is it filled with joy? Is it filled with, you know, guilt? Is it filled with, you know, anxiety? Uh, what's, your, what's your heart filled with? I hope, it's, I hope it's joy. God loves a cheerful giver. It's impossible to please God without faith. God loves a cheerful giver. God gives us all sorts of things to let us know how to really be in the center of his will. And giving is one of those places where uh, it's just the natural response. We're going to talk about this a little bit tonight. The nat- there are certain natural responses for a heart that has been touched by God. One of those natural responses is we want to praise Him. One of those natural responses is we begin to love other people more. And one of those natural responses is we want to give as He's given to us. It's just, it just becomes a part of who we are when our heart is submitted to him and we've really been, our heart's really been touched by him. And we find the joy of being under his care. So we're going to ask the ushers to come and receive our, our offering tonight. And uh, uh, we're just going to pray one more time before we receive this that our church will get this. Father, I don't know how every person's heart feels. I know what you did in my life from the time I was a very young boy when it came to giving and the joy that I have every time, uh, Father, I have the opportunity to be generous and to give. And, Lord, I just pray that, Lord, that in our hearts, our hearts would be right with you. Through our whole church, that there just be a great right spirit in giving, we pray. Touch us so that we can touch our city. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll take one. Thank you. Well, they've got all sorts of stuff on here for me to announce. Don't forget this Sunday is starting point, the first one, if you haven't been through it. Uh, all, all active duty military and veterans, we're going to honor you this Sunday. When you come in the door, uh, we have something for you that we want you to, to get so that people will know who you are. If you have... Uh, children or someone serving actively in the military, we want to be able to identify you as well so people can pray with you. And, and uh, so make sure you do that on Sunday. If you know somebody who's uh, got someone in the military or was in the military, invite them to come this Sunday. We want to honor them as well. C2 groups Sunday night. Uh, VBS registration is going on online right now. I was told today that we have 450 kids signed up already, and we're still a couple of weeks out. That's really uh, tremendous. We're excited about that. No service next Wednesday night uh, because it's 4th of July. You're welcome to come out that night and uh, as it gets dark and sit in the parking lot and watch the fireworks. We're not going to be doing all the stuff we did last year with that, but you're welcome uh, to come out. And uh, 
uh, be a part of that. So uh, if you want to come out on that night and watch the fireworks, you can. And then two weeks from tonight, uh, we're just gonna, it's going to be right in the middle of VBS, and we're just going to do something, make it real easy on all the VBS workers, real easy. Everything's going to be here. The teenagers are going to be out here. Everything's going to be out here that night. And uh, we're going to have hot dogs and other stuff around, all kinds of fixings for the hot dogs. They're going to be good, the good hot dogs, not the little cheap, nasty ones, the good ones. And, uh, and we're just going to give free hot dogs. So come on out and just hang out. Come out between 5.30 and 7. And then we'll, we'll do our, 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 ser- our services. And we're starting a new class that night. This class in here will continue for the next several weeks uh, until, we ra- until we wrap up 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, but we're going to be starting a new class on Colossians. And it's, it's about Christ and the, the, the sovereignty of Christ and the beauty of who he is. And some of you may be interested in being a part of that class. It's a class that will be part video, part teaching, and part discussion time. And so uh, you can make a choice of where you want to be. And, uh, and so we encourage you to be thinking about that. But come on out and have a good time with us. Hang out. Get here early so you can go around and meet people and talk with people and spend some time with other people. And uh, it's going to be a good night on July 11th, so be a part of that. Now, tonight as we uh, take a look at the Word, I I wish we had the time tonight. It would take a couple of hours to go through the whole chapter in one night because you, you need to see this whole picture. Uh, We're going to go through it piecemeal over the next several weeks. Then maybe the last week we'll just kind of do a brief overview of it. But really, everything we've talked about in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 uh, leads us up to 1 Corinthians 14. The more I study uh, 1 Corinthians 14, uh, I don't want to say confused, the more... um, the clearer things get in it to me. And I find myself wondering, why haven't I heard this taught on more? This is such an important passage about how the Holy Spirit wants to move in our lives. And and I want to tell you today that if you come from a traditional Pentecostal background, this chapter, if you read it and you read every verse and you take every verse seriously, it will rock your world a little bit. If you come from an anti-Pentecostal background and you read this chapter and you read it seriously, you take the Word of God seriously, it will rock your world a little bit. Uh, I have had people, when we, when we teach on this, I've had people who are you know, negative about Pentecost and negative about speaking in tongues uh, leave our church over it. Go someplace else. And I have had, in the same setting, people who are traditionally Pentecostal get angry and leave our church over it. Because it, it doesn't, you cannot, if you're going to be truly a Christ follower, you cannot build your doctrine on your traditions as well-meaning as they may have been. 
You've got to build your doctrine on what the Word of God says. The Word of God's our standard for faith and conduct. And so when I, when I talk to people in both of those camps, both of those extremes, and they come and they say, I don't believe uh, in tongues, they always go back to their personal experience and tradition of wherever they came from. That's where they, that's where they, they don't go to the Word. They've got to, they've got to find some way to dismiss the Word. And the flip side, if you go to, you know, the extreme traditional Pentecostal setting and you really look at the Word, people will get upset, but they, what do they want to argue? They want to argue their experience. They want to argue what they grew up in or what has been in their life all this time instead of what does the Bible say? What the Bible says is enough. Amen? So let's, we're going to start on this 1 first, first Corinthians 14. And uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and open your Bibles because I like us to stand when we read the Word. But if you really want to understand this better and be able to talk about it, I would encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 14 several times over the next few weeks and months. And as we go through this in the month of July, just, just read this chapter you know, once or twice a week and kind of let it soak in and, and let the pieces that you don't understand kind of let them mull over in your mind and let the pieces that don't settle well with you jump off the page instead of skipping over them. Uh, look at them. Look at what it's saying. So here, here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I, I want to tell you, I've, that's so clear in the Word, and I've, I've rarely heard that taught on. Especially prophecy. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself. The one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Can, can I read that again? This, this, this is a little world-shaking here. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Father, I thank you again for your word. I pray you'd help us to look seriously at it and to be mature. Let our church be fully yours. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can, you can be seated. In, in, the, in this chapter especially, we have to remember that this is a letter. This is a letter. Paul did not write chapter 14. 
Verse 1, pursue love. Pursue love came in the flow of the letter. Uh, first, you know, 1 Corinthians 13 was this whole passage about love that we talked about last week and the importance of us wanting the best for others. And right as he, he talks about Paul's written that, that now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And now he says, pursue love. Pursue it. Love is the foundation of all, is supposed to be the foundation of all we do in the kingdom of God. It's supposed to be about others' good. He'll say it so clearly in Philippians when he says, consider others before yourself. Think about them first. Pursue love. Uh, this, is, this is an active word here of diligence. The heart touched by God, as we said a moment ago, naturally responds. One way that it's, that it's affected is that we begin to want the best for others. Our heart begins to beat for the best for others. Not simply as a desire, but as a pursuit. Pursue love. Pursue having a heart that wants the best for others and pursue doing things for others. This is why we talk about in our in our, in, our mission, in our vision statement, we talk about life to the full. That fulfillment comes from the expression of your divinely given gifts. When you know what your gifts are and you express them in love, you will have a sense of fulfillment in your life. You'll have a sense of purpose in your life. You, you will have that sense in your life that you're doing the right thing because God will be with you in that moment and speak to you in that moment. And, and so we need, to, we need to see the importance of pursuing love as an out, outworking of our heart and an action in our lives, a diligence. And then he says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Earnestly desire them. So here, here again, this is why we have starting point. So we can begin to really explore and ask ourselves, what are our spiritual gifts? What are mine? And he says, earnestly, with a sincerity of heart and a, and a, and a passion of life, desire spiritual gifts. We've already been told we all have one. We probably have several. Some are available to all of us. You're going to see about two of them today that according to this Scripture are available to every one of us. And those are included in this word. Desire them. Earnestly. Earnestly desire them. Want them. Look for them. Try to invite them into your life. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Now, he puts a priority on them. He's just told us 
Love is the greatest attribute of the believer. Without love, without wanting the best for others, all that we do crumbles. It's what 1 Corinthians you know, 1, 2, 3, and 4 is all about. Everything crashes. No matter how great you are, no matter how much you know, no matter how much you do, without the attribute of love being running through all of those actions, everything crashes. So the greatest attribute of the believer is wanting the best for others. See, I I just want to tell you, when you have a, a board of people, a committee of people, a group of people that at the core of what they are is they want what God wants. They want the best for the church. They want the best for their group. They all want what God, guess what? Peace rules. They work through issues. They work through, you know, there's humility in the discussion. Nobody's demanding their way. Everybody's willing to submit to, uh, to other people's opinions and listen to other people's opinions. And when they see that the, the, most of the room's going one way, they go, well, you know, I can submit myself to this. We all are desiring what's good for the body, and God can intervene if he wants to. It's a good thing. And, and they can walk in it in love. And peace, pursu- peace rules. You get somebody in the middle of that that has their own agenda, wants their own thing, has to have their way, trouble's coming. Trouble's coming. In the church, in the home, any place that we're at. This great attribute of love, wanting the best for others, being submitted is so important for our lives. And then he tells us something that he tells us that prophecy is the greatest gift we can have. Prophecy. Boy, if you, if you sat in some places, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe that. Prophecy is the greatest gift we can have. This chapter now becomes about how love should be driven how in love we should be driven to build others up. Now again, in the, in the church in Corinth, there's this, been this high priority on tongues. There's been this hierarchy of who's spiritual and who isn't spiritual and who are leaders and who aren't leaders, all based on who has the gift of tongues and who's exercising it. Now listen, Paul does not scoff at the gift of tongues. He doesn't do that. But he wants it in its proper place, which is still a place of honor. It's still a place of importance. But he's saying, you guys are all messed up because it's not based on love and it's not based on building other people up. It's based on building yourself up. You want to be powerful. You're exercising power over yourself, and you're not doing this in love. It's messed up. It's about you. It's about you coming across as spiritual, as you coming across as powerful. It's about you, and it's messed up. That's what Paul's saying in here. 1 Corinthians 14.2. For the one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God. 
for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. Paul, this is so clear here if you think about it. Paul is talking about the prayer language that flows from the Spirit of God through us in prayer. It is God-inspired in us. And it con- this prayer language comes from our spirit and is led by the Spirit. The Spirit leading us in prayer that matches God's will, that matches God's knowledge, which isn't like our knowledge. Remember, God's not. He already knows the beginning from the end. He's not confused about anything. He's not looking for answers. He's not trying to figure out what to do. He, all the stuff that we struggle with in our knowledge, God isn't struggling with at all. He's got it all. And now his spirits, he's praying through us in, the, in a right way. And it matches up with our desire, what our desires would be if we knew all the things that God knew. If we knew all that he knew. The prayer language is between you and God. You utter mysteries and things that you don't know on your own by the power of God praying through you. However, he talks about prophecy speaks to people. Speaks to people. This this prophetic word is a word to people that they understand. Prophecy in itself got to hear this, is God-inspired speech. Now listen, God doesn't doesn't throw you down and grab your mouth and make you say stuff. He doesn't make you get all free. Oh, thus saith the Lord. He doesn't do all of that stuff to you. It's in your voice. It's usually with passion and anointing that comes from him. But you find yourself uttering things. We're talking, some of us were talking about this before church tonight, that you wouldn't have thought of, that you wouldn't have known, with an authority and a power that you don't have on your own. And what's it for? He makes it very, very, very clear what it's for. It's for building, it's for building others up, strengthening them in faith helping them see the right way to live. It's for helping them and blessing them and and, and building them up. It's for encouraging people, people who are discouraged in the battle, going through a tough time. This word suddenly comes out that encourages them and strengthens them, and it comforts people who are hurting. Listen, prophecy is not wishful thinking. It's inspired words from God flowing through us. And, and I'll tell you, in, in, my, in my personal experience, it, it's, it's usually kind of seamless. You're talking with somebody or you're praying for somebody and God drops a word in your heart to go say to them. Or you're just, when it's really seamless, you're just talking with somebody and all of a sudden, in the middle of that conversation, you are aware 
that you are now being led by the Spirit. You're going into things, and there's an authority coming, and you know this is more than me. This is more than me. And that person begins to sense, this is more than my friend. This is God letting this person speak to me and encourage me and strengthen me. And all of a sudden, there's an authority in it, and there's a power in it that comes only from the throne room of God for us to build somebody up, to encourage them, and to strengthen them. So sometimes, as you pray for someone, God drops a word in your heart. Sometimes, as you're walking through the church or you're walking through, you look over and you see someone, and God says, go talk to them. Go say something to them. Uh, sometimes God just brings, just brings someone to your mind. He says, call them and talk to them. And in the middle of that conversation, a prophetic word begins to come out. This we see again and again in this chapter as the highest gift. As the highest gift. Think about that for a second. This is the highest gift. Now what you see, that's not what you see in many teachings. Everything rests around uh, speaking in tongues, which you see in in Acts. They they want people to speak in tongues. They want them to have this prayer language. It's important for them to have it. But now Paul is teaching us something that is very, very important. Paul envisions a church full of people speaking God's inspired words to each other. He's saying, listen, I want you all to do this. I want you all to have this. I I want this to be the, 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 the gift you really desire and really pursue and is the one that's the most helpful and powerful in the church is when you begin to speak prophetic words, inspired words of God to one another. Think about how healthy that makes the church. So, with that in thought, then, then why tongues? Why should we want this? Well, 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He's not dismissing tongues. Don't, don't, don't confuse him. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. The person who has this gift that prays by the leading of the Spirit of God, that prayer flows from our spirit. And as this happens, there is a touch of God that moves in the life of the person praying. A reality and a strength of God that builds that, some person edifies them, strengthens them. He finds himself in that prayer time being encouraged, being encouraged, being strengthened, being empowered for, the ta- for a task, being emboldened in his faith, being joyful in his life, being peace-filled in his life. All the fruit of the Spirit grows for, the, for that moment in the middle of that person's life 
as they are praying in the Spirit. And where before they were praying, they may have felt helpless. Their helplessness turns to belief, and their belief turns to comfort and encouragement. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want this, why anybody wouldn't long for it. This is something that he is, he's saying to us, something we should want. Now, 1 Corinthians 14b says, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. While the individual is edified with the gift of tongues, prophecy is of better use to the church as a whole. Because now those words do the same thing in other people of what God is doing in you in your prayer life. So the person who prophesies builds up the church, strengthens, encourages. A church filled with people using the gift of prophecy will be a happy, confident church. It'll be one that people get encouraged. It'll be one where people get strengthened. It'll be one where people leave with a new touch and hope of God in their life. It's a powerful, powerful, powerful tool of God. Listen, the mouth is such a powerful tool. The mouth can speak foolishness. The mouth can speak wisdom. The mouth can encourage. The mouth can discourage. The mouth can speak health. The mouth can speak poison. The mouth can speak the truth. And the mouth can speak deception and a lie. We should be cautious with how we speak to others. I called just a few weeks ago by a, a person who was distraught from another city. I, to this day, I don't know how they got my name, how they got connected with me, uh, but the situation that they were in is one I had been through. I knew, exact, I knew exactly what they were going through, and they were wanting advice on, on, on this, and for some reason had called me. They never told me why or how they got my name. And I told them my experience, and they seemed to be very comforted by the experience I had walked through that was very, very similar to theirs. Uh, they appreciated that. And then they requested a scripture to support an action they wanted to do, that they wanted, that I had no way of supporting and no way of giving them a scripture that supported it. I, I tried to be gentle and point them a different direction and say, you know, that's, you're, you're looking the wrong way here. And over the next several days, I got call after call from them. Each time putting a slightly different twist on their desired action actually showed up at church here one Sunday, confronted me out in the hall, trying to get me to tell them how to force somebody else into something that I had no way of telling them was even biblically right to tell them. 
And I finally had to tell this person, I can't tell you what you want to hear because I don't believe it exists. I don't believe it's true. Now, listen, uh, that person didn't leave singing my praises. Are you with me? You got somebody like that. They're, they're, they're wanting you, they're hoping that you'll be sympathetic to them. That they're hoping uh, that you're going to desire to be liked, and so you're going to give them. They've got some flawed sense of, of, of truth, and they're wanting you to help them. Even though they've not been able to find the Scripture, they're hoping you can. And the reality is, it's not, if it's not there, it's not there. And sometimes our sense of wanting to be loved gets in the way of that. But listen, Christians, supporting people in wrong, wrong actions is not a loving response. We are called to speak the truth with love. We are called to say the truth. And if you read the Bible carefully, you'll discover that a lot of people who say the truth get killed for it. Stephen got stoned for it, and yet he spoke the truth. That, that's, a, that's a pretty extreme line that God says to us. When I inspire you to speak, speak the truth, whatever the cost. Wow. Wow. Now, thankfully and hopefully inside the church, that'll be filled with life and joy. Amen? And the world we're living in today is going to get harder and harder if things don't change. Now, now here, here's another part of this message that's huge. He, he's, he's battling this. He's trying to correct their viewpoint on tongues without dismissing tongues. And so now he says something very, very clearly that all of us in this room need to hear. Now I want you all to speak in tongues. I want you all to do this. Every one of you, he's saying. This is a, he's saying this is a gift every one of you can have. He's, he's just told us, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And now he tells us this one. He says, I want you all to do this. I want this for every one of you. Now, when you think about this, this is a word inspired by the Holy Spirit. If God had wanted to say, listen, this whole thing about tongues, uh, it, it's for the starting of the church. And then it's going to be, he could have said that very clearly. He said, listen, we have this gift that's going to only last for a short time. You experience it and enjoy it because it's going to be over soon. But Paul didn't say that. What God put in the canon doesn't say that. What God put in Scripture is, I want you all to speak in tongues. If the Scripture is given by inspiration of God, why is this verse in the Bible? It takes some real twists to change this passage. I mean, real twists and turns to get us out of this 
thing that we we got to you know come up with all kinds of different timelines and what we think this says and that says and because this says this and that says that and we put all these together then there's a timeline when this is good and there's a timeline when it isn't good. But if you just if you uh, here's what I, I just believe if you simply read the Word of God. God simply tells us what He wants us to know. The Spirit of God wants you to have this, this gift. It is good, it is for the good of the kingdom, and it is for your good. And if you don't have this gift, I would encourage you to begin to ask God for it. Say, God, I want you to give me this gift. Now, there's all kinds of weird things out there about this. God most likely is not going to throw you on the ground and make you say stuff that you, you don't want to say. You've got to cooperate with the Spirit, but you'll know it's flowing from the Spirit within you. And if it gets past that, you know, you've got somebody saying, say these words over and over again, forget all that stuff. Just dismiss all that stuff. Let the Spirit of God move in your life. One of my favorite testimonies that I hear is when people say, you know what, I came down to the altar, people prayed for me to receive the Spirit, nothing happened. Uh, but the next day or two days later, I was in my prayer time, and all by myself, God just began to flow in me, and I began to speak in this heavenly language. Now, why do I love that testimony? Because I know that the enemy cannot whisper in them. You got emotionally worked up. You got in a kind of a groupthink thing, and you got caught up in the emotion of it all, and, and so you, you just kind of did what everybody else was doing, and it's not really true. It, it just takes the lies of the enemy out. And you just know the truth of the experience. Now, he tells us he wants all of us to speak in tongues. You got that? Look what the second part of the verse says. But even more to prophesy. Even more. I want you all to do this. But even more, I want you to do this. This is, the, this is what I really want. The one who prophesies is greater. He's greater than the one who speaks in tongues. This is mind-blowing if you come out of a traditional Pentecostal background at times. The one who holds tongues and, and being spirit-filled and the evidence of tongues as being this most important identifying gift. Listen, it is important. It is identifying. It is good for us. It is great for us. We should seek it, desire it, want it, ask God to give it to us. But listen, even more so prophecy. So he, he wouldn't say, he's not saying this, listen, you know, this tongue thing, don't, don't worry about it. Just seek prophecy and you'll be okay. He's not saying that. He's saying, listen, prophecy is the one that's going to build up the church. That's the one everybody should really be hanging on. But, I want all of you to do this too because this is going to be good for you. This is going to edify you. It's going to, the Spirit flowing through you is going to build you up and strengthen you and do a work in you. This isn't about lowering the gift that, and what it does in our life. He's just trying to put it in order in this church. He's trying to put it in order for the churches for the rest of history. He says you should seek both. Now he goes on to say, if that's true, unless someone interprets so the church may be built up. 
there is a place in the church for tongues, even when unbelievers are there. But there's a requirement. The requirement is, and we'll see this again and again throughout this chapter, the requirement is there's somebody that's going to interpret it. And he will say very, very clearly, if you come in, if an unbeliever comes in and you're all speaking in tongues, you're all doing this, they're going to think you're crazier than hoot owls. They're not going to be drawn to God by it. They're going to think you've all lost your minds. But the prophetic word is going to cut right to the chase in their spirit. So, he puts this requirement. If in this, this setting where people come and groups of people come and there's unbelief, boy, if there's, if there's not someone there to interpret, it's under the control of the prophet, it must mean it's not supposed to be said right then. It must be for later. So, it's not simply the prayer language. This is the prophetic proclamation that someone can interpret. What is this for? To build up the church. We'll get into this as we go on through this passage about building up the church. So here's kind of summation for tonight. Tongues are good for us, and the Spirit wants us all to have this gift. And so some of you may have come from a background where this was not taught, maybe even a background where this was taught against. And, and what you've got to wrestle with in this passage is that Paul's saying to us, he wants us all to have it, it's good for us, and the Spirit wants us to have this gift. You've got to wrestle with that passage and what that's saying to you. And then he's saying, Prophecy is even better. It's good to build others up, and we should all be seeking to have this gift. We should all be saying, God, use me, lead me, help me in my small group. The Father just at times just give me the word that needs to be said. Give me the thing that needs to be said to encourage my friend to lift them up. God, fill me and guide me with your word and with your truth. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's all stand and come down around the altar together tonight. How many of you uh, in this room know you've been used at some time in your life to speak that prophetic word of encouragement or strength in the others? Just raise your hand. You know you've experienced that. Father, you see our hands up today. We're thankful that you've used us in this way and pray that it would become common in our lives. Father, you see others who uh, maybe were not able to raise their hand tonight. And, and we just pray that we would earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And that, Father, we would not fear this. We would not be worried about it. We would just begin to pray and ask you to use us when you want to. And that when you speak to us, that, Father, we would be brave enough, faithful enough to obey you and to say the word that is encouraging, that builds up, 
that comforts. Help us in that, I pray in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed for a moment. If you'll say, hey, Pastor, I've, I don't have this prayer language that you're talking about, but I would like to have it. Just, just raise your hand right now if that's you. Anybody here? You don't have it, you'd like to have it. Yeah, amen, amen. Father, you see the hands that were just raised. Father, we do not want the enemy to be able to deceive us or trap us in any way. I just pray that as my brothers and sisters here seek your spirit, as they, in their prayer times, uh, Father, wait upon you, in their times of worship, wait upon you, that your spirit would just wonderfully and marvelously touch them like you did Cornelius' house. Uh, Father, let, let, let those of us who, who walk in this, in this spirit, Father, find the edifying power in it. I know how many times you do that for me. And, and I pray that you would just do that in their lives as well. Guide us and direct us as a body of Christ, Father, to have these gifts, to earnestly desire them. Uh, but, Father, as your word says, especially the gift of prophecy. And, and Lord, let it not be a, a selfish, controlling thing. Let it be a gentle but powerful thing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you tonight. Go in the name of the Lord and may his joy be in your heart.